the MAGA Republican extremists who now control the House of Representatives have officially passed a rules package that, get this, will try to defund the military, force America to default on its debt, grant access to fascists like Jim Jordan and other MAGA extremists who sought pardons from Trump and to try to give them access to ongoing criminal investigations, perhaps criminal investigations of them, and of course, not just defund the military, but to defund the IRS. McCarthy becomes the weakest speaker of the House in American history, and President Biden goes to the border in El Paso, Texas, and MAGA Republicans, you can't please them. They criticize him for doing that. They say Biden is seeking a photo op while the MAGA Republicans were doing photo ops and spouting their hateful talking points. Let's just face it. These MAGA Republicans don't want a solution. They just want to rant and rave. They think that is a winning issue for them. And extremist supporters of Brazil's version of Donald Trump, the fascist wannabe former president Jair Bolsonaro, who lost the presidential election in October to Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, engaged in an insurrection over the weekend on Sunday. These insurrectionists trespassed and pillaged their key government buildings and infrastructure in a scene that looked almost identical to the January 6th insurrection. And it's not a coincidence, folks. Bolsonaro was actually advised by Trump's advisors like Steve Bannon and Jason Miller and others. And get this, Bolsonaro was in Florida during the Brazilian insurrection of these Bolsonaro minions, they call themselves. He's there right now. He's in Florida right now. Will he be extradited? That is the question. The Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis completed her criminal investigation before the special grand jury investigating 2020 criminal election interference. A report has been prepared by the special grand jury, remains confidential for now, but will indictments be coming our way? And the head of CPAC, the fascist organization CPAC, Matt Schlapp. He was accused of sexual assault by a former Herschel Walker staffer who alleges Schlapp grabbed his genitals when they were alone in the car together. The staffer was the designated driver. And a few days after these allegations surfaced, Schlapp hosted an event at Mar-a-Lago where Trump was honoring the insurrectionist Ashley Babbitt and Babbitt's mother. And finally, the media is in a frenzy to draw a false equivalence between 10 classified documents that were found in the Biden Center for Diplomacy at the University of Pennsylvania, where they are studying the documents and Trump's theft of thousands of government records, Trump's obstruction of justice, and Trump's rabid, hateful rhetoric against law enforcement and the FBI. The media is just not equipped to deal with these situations. There's no nuance at all when it comes to the media. Let's talk about it all. This is the Midas Touch podcast. I'm 
Ben Micellis joined by both brothers, both back. Let's both go. Both fully rested, both ready to fight for our democracy. Brett, Jordy, how are you doing? Doing well. So what I'm hearing is there's not too much news today. It's a slow news day. That's what I that's what I got from your intro. Feels like it's going to be a really short episode, Brett. That's what I got out of Ben's intro. Super short we episode. Got so much to talk about. I, I'm excited to dig into it all. I'm also hoping that my power stays on because the rain out here in California is crazy right now. It is absolutely torrential. I know a lot of people who have lost power. I know people who have been evacuated from their towns. Uh, I'm perfectly okay over here. My heart is out to everyone who has had to evacuate. And I am just hoping that the show could go on uninterrupted. So here we are. Lots of news to go over. Jordy, it's great to be on the show with the three brothers. How are you doing? I know. I absolutely love it, man. No, I, I love it. And, and look, for those listening and watching, Brett is also our producer right now. So as we're doing the show, Brett's the one putting up the graphics and videos. So the fact that he's able to multitask like that, huge shout out to Brett there. But the show is super reliant I, a big shout out to you, Ben. You steer the show. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not, no, I was, I was giving Brett. I was doing those just my Brett So the show is very reliant on Brett's power staying just perfect right now, Brett. So, so good vibes to your power. And I'm, I'm excited to get into today's show. <laughs> well, when we were doing our nonstop coverage of the 15 roll call votes, I was there as we was talking about C SPAN <laughs> and the weather was bad with our producer, Salty. Everyone does right. these salt salty emojis. emojis, baby. Salty, salty. And then, and then his power just shut out so the c-span screen just ends <laughs> and then it's just me there going <laughs> yeah. I, I, I go onto the midas such youtube feed it's ben holding up his dogs <laughs> i'm like i'm the most important voter <laughs> is what you know when you when you bootstrap the operation we're nimble man we're nimble that it looks professional but sometimes it's being held together by uh <laughs> by a fine thread but speaking of it all being held together by a fine thread a fine fascist thread holds together mm. the current MAGA Republican Party with this new rules package the breaking news is that the rules package just passed right before we uh, went on and did this live but basically the rules package that all the MAGA extra MAGA extremists I don't even know these factions anymore when you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene pretending that she's a centrist now but she's so super bizarre. extreme versus Bulbert and Gates I just kind of look at like knows, like but, sodas Ben like like you have like Pepsi light you have you know a diet coke so just there's like different fractions of MAGA that's the way I like to remember it you have diet I MAGA. think it's more like alcohol proof like is it like 180 proof is it rubbing alcohol <laughs> or it that's a much better analogy I'm, I'm analogy guy. So basically the rules package threatens the rule of law interfering, interfering with criminal investigations. They wanted to have this select committee, not like the January 6th select committee, their own select committee under Jim Jordan, under the judiciary that will attack the department of justice and the FBI. And they're saying, we want access to ongoing criminal investigations. That was one of the demands that was added to this rule package. But just because they say they want it for all those fearing like, oh, well, are they going to get it? The Department of Justice is going to get the subpoena and laugh at them. And they're going to file a motion with a court for an injunction saying you can't have access to secret grand jury proceedings. Sorry, Congress. You have certain oversight, but you can't interfere with executive branch uh, criminal investigations. But that's something that they wanted. That appeased the Gates and the Gosars 
and the Biggs and the Perrys, people who sought pardons from Donald Trump. Not exactly a coincidence there. They want to threaten the full faith and credit of the United States by allowing the U.S. to very easily default on its debt, placing your Social Security, your Medicare, your 401k, military funding. They want to defund the military, defund the IRS. Those are major initiatives there. Um, and at the same time, they want to like defund the IRS. Like when you get these congressional budget office estimates about the IRS, it actually will like reduce the deficit by hundreds of billions of dollars. Like it is helpful to reducing the deficit, helpful to reducing the debt, because guess what? When you don't let billionaires who want to cheat on their taxes get away with it, you know what happens? you get more tax revenue. Ooh. And when you get more tax revenue, you reduce the deficit. And everything Biden's doing is reducing the deficit, reducing our debt, while MAGA Republicans want to go in the exact opposite direction. So, And then, of course, the other one rule, and then I'll pass it to you, Brett, that any like single member, and it would go for both parties too, but like, I mean, I assume it's something that Matt Gates no, is going it, to, it needs to be a Republican. It has to the way they structured it has to it has to be. But I don't even think that's lawful if it has to be just a Republican member. They, they could say that. But if you have to be a member, um, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, any single Republican member can then oust him whenever they want to. So he's the weakest speaker in history. And then it's like, let's attack Ukraine. Let's praise Putin. And as we always say here, Occam's razor, the simplest explanation, they, they want to help Putin. They want to destroy our full faith and credit. They want to defund our military. It all kind of lines up here. I sense a pattern. Right. And I also want to clarify too, like, you know, I, I think we should have less military spending. I think we spend way too much in the military. When they're targeting military spending, they're targeting our defense of Ukraine specifically. They do not want the United States to defend Ukraine. They want Putin to take over Ukraine. That's what's behind their attack on the military spending there. And, you know, it's just all they want to do is they want to be able to hold the economy hostage. They want to be able to hold the country hostage. The fact is they're going to run into an issue that they're completely powerless to do a lot of what they ultimately want to do. We're really lucky that we gained a Senate seat during these elections. We're really lucky that President Biden is president because not one piece of legislation that they try to pitch as far as all that is concerned is ever going to make it past President Biden's desk. It will likely never even make it past the Senate. So I think they have a lot of threats. They're going to try a lot of things. They're going to keep throwing dumb bills out there. None of them are going to work. Where we're going to have to look out for is that government funding stuff, where they do have much more power to hold things up, to crash the economy. And that's why the omnibus package was so important. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you wonder why the, even the Republican senators rushed to pass that package. And, and we remember we played that clip from that one Republican senator who said, we cannot afford to let the Republicans in Congress have the burden of governing. I'm paraphrasing there. But he said the quiet part out loud there, which is we do not trust our peers. He's a Republican. We do not trust our Republican peers 
in the Congress to be able to fund the government. So we're going to pass this big government funding bill, which gives us a little bit of cushion for about a year. That way they cannot <laughs> screw with us. And that's exactly what they did because they knew that they were going to come in and they knew that this was going to be the first thing they did. And it, leave it to the Republicans, their very first move. Their very first move, they talk about inflation, they talk about the border, they talk about all this stuff during the campaign. Crime, what happened to crime, by the way? All, all of a sudden, it's never talked about once. Inflate, none of this stuff is even talked about once. Their first order of business is how do we help billionaires get more money and mm. evade their taxes? That was their first, that was number one, number one of what they wanted to do. And then we got the first CBO estimate, which is a nonpartisan estimate of what this bill is going to cost the country. And it's going to add $114 billion to the deficit. That's their first order of business. If this passed, then it will not pass. It would add $114 billion in the deficit due to lower revenues. Because yes, it will reduce spending by $71.5 billion, but it will reduce revenue by a whopping $185.8 billion. Let me say that again. Let me reiterate. Republicans want to increase the deficit as their first order, and they have the nerve to nonstop talk about being the party of fiscal responsibility, be the party that is is good with the purse strings. It's all BS. It's all BS. As we showed during our coverage of the various votes for Speaker of the House, anytime they tried to go with that nonsense, we put up the graph. Deficits between Democrats and Republicans. Debt between Democrats or Republicans. And it's always the case that Republicans run up the debt, run up the deficit to record levels, and then they try to blame Democrats when Democrats are the ones who actually reduce the deficit consistently. Because, Brett, they do the tax cuts to, for billionaires that they can't pay for, and they don't even try to pay for it. And so when you do those tax cuts, you're not bringing in the tax revenue. You got to get you the have revenue from somewhere. <laughs> these Republican Congress people, fellas, they're, they're just absolute clowns. And they're going to make these next two years just as miserable for the country, not even for President Biden and legislation that we could, he could pass to just further better this country, but just to make it miserable for Americans so they could really feel just their gross abuse of, of power. And the good news, Jordy, is their history is repeating itself. And I say good news tactically speaking, because it's not good news for the country, because it's going to be annoying as hell to watch these monsters run the country, try to run the country into the ground over the next two years. I mean, let's be real, Jordy. Like you said, their goal is to inflict as much pain as possible onto Americans because they hope to then transfer that pain into a presidency in 2024. Oh, look, exactly. the economy's bad because we crashed it. Oh, you got to vote for our guy who's going to fix it. That That's their plan. I don't think they will succeed with that, but that's really what they want to do. And they even... Everything they do is just so BS. They've been speaking about constantly. We need transparency. We need transparency. We need 72 hours before you read any piece of legislation. The whole country is going to be able to read everything and know exactly what's going on in Congress. The first, one of the first moves they did today, which I am incredibly upset about. And by the way, I will chastise both parties for doing this. This is where I will both sides the issue because the Republicans, one of their first moves today, they took away the C-SPAN cameras. C-SPAN uh, cameras are no longer in the House that. chamber. And this is a note from C-SPAN. We have resumed using the feed from House slash government operated cameras. I want to say watching the speaker vote with the C-SPAN cameras was honestly one of the most riveting 
television watching experiences that I've, maybe I'm the biggest nerd on the planet. Okay. I'll accept it. But it was really, <laughs> maybe it was my commentating. Maybe it was my commentating. But, but, but like to get those shots, like the shots of the Republican grabbing the other Republicans face when he tried to confront Matt Gates and those moments that we saw between Gates and McCarthy and MTG and, and the, the Democrats eating popcorn, all that. We would see absolutely none of that with the new camera rules. And I think that right there, I think having that level of transparency in our government, I think that's good. And I think yeah. both parties should want those cameras. And, you know, they're always scared of like, oh, how are they going to use this footage in attack ads? Or we just want to be able to control the narrative. I think the people have the right to see those cameras, no matter what party is in charge. And I will I will run on that. Like, absolutely. Also, how, how hard is it just to not act like a lunatic, like while the votes are going on? Just be a normal person. Don't be. Don't, don't try you and fight another dudes, member right, of Congress. Like, like yeah. one guy, I'm forgetting, like Rosendale, I think the guy's name was, they'd try to make all these made-for-TV movies when they were doing the Kevin McCarthy vote, and he goes, I'm voting for Kevin Hearn. And he does like the wrestler, like it's straight out of WWE. That's how this guy was playing to the cameras. But I think it's good to see all of that stuff. I want to see all that stuff. And who, of course, do the Republicans start nominating for committees? This is kind of happening as we're talking. So I don't even have a lot of the names just yet, but all insurrectionists. Like if you, if you, do, if you try to overturn the results of the 2020 election, you get a committee spot, you get a committee spot, you get a committee spot. It's like insurrectionist Oprah is Kevin McCarthy right now out there. And what the guy's doing is now he's got to kind of pay off the favors. He got the votes. He almost didn't get the votes. He offered him, he sold his soul, his complete soul for this. And what does he do? He gets representative Mark Green on the top spot of the House Homeland Security Committee. This is a crazy Freedom Caucus. I hate the name Freedom Caucus, but what, what do you call him, Ben? Trader Caucus? Insurrectionist Caucus. Um, the guy was uh, elected to Congress in 2018. He was Trump's second nominee for the Secretary of the Army, and his nomination had to be withdrawn after past bigoted statements surfaced, including attacks on Muslims, and a public statement that said, quote, transgender is a disease. That's the one person they put on one of the committees today. Representative Jason Smith was named the new chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. This is somebody who had voted to object to the certification of the 2020 election. And on the note of transparency, one thing that they added to this bill in order to secure the votes of those 21 or so holdouts that night that we when we saw all the chaos unfold was a secret three page addendum to the house rules that i think at this very moment as we're doing the show even though it was already voted on i don't think anybody knows yet what was in that addendum by morning we might know what was in that addendum but there was this secret three page addendum Added. Secret addendums already. <laughs> secret addendum. This is the oh, accountability, transparency. They're adding secret three-page addendums that were not made public. And this is how they secured the votes of those 21 crazies. What could possibly be in there to secure the votes of the 21 crazies? I think the American people deserve to know. And if you're a party that wants to be taken seriously and your whole thing is, oh, look, we're the transparent party, the which is bullshit, obviously. The first thing you do during that exposes who you are and everybody should know exactly who you are. Here's the thing. America's on the right track. 223,000 jobs in December, beating expectations. 3.5% unemployment, the lowest rate in 50 years. 
4.5 million jobs in 2022, one of the best years ever, just behind 2021. As of the new year, Social Security recipients will receive the largest boost in four decades, an 8.7% increase. House Republicans set out to defund the social safety net, including Social Security. Insulin is now capped at $35 for those on Medicare. More Americans are working today than ever before. New tax rebates are now being offered to those purchasing qualifying electric vehicles and rooftop solar panels. Infrastructure projects are now underway. Like serious work is going on. As we know what's happening Republicans- is all these bills were passed and now they all kick in. And so now finally, Americans are actually going to see the actual tangible results of the bills that were passed, because until there's actually shovels and grounds, you know, fixing those bridges and and there's actually rebates being issued to the American people. And until all these things are actually happening, it kind of feels fake. And then now it's the January 1st, boom, everything kicks in, everything that we fought for, all those great all those great pills, excuse me, start kicking in. And we're seeing the results of that now. And I think once the American people go to the pharmacy and you're on mm-hmm. Medicare and all of a sudden this life-saving medicine, this life-saving stuff that you used to pay hundreds of dollars for, hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars for, all of a sudden you walk out of there spending just $35, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, like that's that's something that actually tangibly affects yes. my life. That is not Mr. Or you Potato can, Head. Or, or, or you can do more. Or you can do what Marjorie Taylor Greene does, which is take videos of herself uh, by stealing Dr. Dre's music and then getting uh, cease and desist letters from Dr. Dre's lawyers. That's what Marjorie Taylor Greene did. I'm happy you didn't forget about Dre, Ben. I'm happy you didn't forget about Dre. That's good. The song's still Dre. <laughs> still Dre. Still Dre. Nowadays, exactly. everybody want to talk about it. I got to be careful. I can't do all the lyrics. I may get a season. <laughs> make Nowadays, it. everybody want to talk, but they got something to say. Cut them off. Cut them off. That's all you can say without getting a season. But, but that's the point is, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's doing videos of herself to stolen copyrighted music because it's all a performance. It's all fascist theater while... Democrats, pro-democracy, pro-normals rolling up their sleeves. And look, in addition to all of these successes I just talked about, President Biden did something that all of the Republicans like, when is he going to visit the border? He's never going to the border ever. He went to the border. He went to El Paso. And he actually did it in a very kind of humble way. Like he went there. It was actually not a photo op thing at all. It wasn't like he stood there and did the, you know, you know, we are going to, you know, it was him speaking to border <laughs> agents and, 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 and migrant services saying things like, if I could wave a wand, what should I do? Um, how can I, how can I help? And on the other hand, you've got people like governor Abbott, who's there. <coughs> governor Abbott hands Biden like some letter you know, like shoves a letter in Biden's face when he arrives. And then Abbott runs right to the press. Um, He goes right to the press right away and and then starts saying, we need money. Biden's not giving us any money. You've just spent like 20 or $30 million kidnapping asylum seekers and trafficking them to Washington, D.C. And you're saying you don't have any money. Like $4 billion have just disappeared based on your performative BS 
you know, you're shutting down the, tr you know, the trucking industry in Texas. Like you've just disappeared $4 billion of the Texas budget. And you're like, we need the money. This is all about a photo op. This is so phony. Like what else do you want the guy to do? He showed up, he's listening. He's trying to come up with comprehensive border policy here. By the way, Democrats would pass comprehensive border policy. And all you go is build the wall. Okay. It's 2023 right now you can, can you could dig under the wall you go through the wall you go <laughs> above the wall why don't we actually utilize technology that exists and then why don't we have humanity involved in the process the, the irony then is that with, i was gonna say the irony is that president biden actually got mexico to agree to invest one and a half billion dollars in smart border technology so <laughs> so biden actually did get mexico to pay for the wall it's just not a physical barrier but it's actually one that's done with technology and it's not like it's not like the republicans would ever go to the border for a photo op guys now now, now <laughs> oh. it, as we watch ted cruz and the bushes uh from i don't know last year two years ago at the border <laughs> all they do with these clowns with these performative and and one of the issues with the way this issue is approached, and are there problems at the border? Yes. Are the problems yes. what the Republicans say they are? No. Um, have both parties sort of punted this? Absolutely, 100%. But here is the issue. The issue is that to, to the Republicans, and especially with these hardline kind of Freedom Caucus type people, but it's really the whole party, but everything is a zero-sum game. So if you give even a little bit to the other side, if you compromise a little bit, amnesty, you're letting illegals pour into the country. That, that's all they want to say. But in order to get a working border, you need to be able to compromise and actually pitch things that may to that side, those people, it may be a bit of a compromise. It may be a little controversial to them. There is no way to fix the issues at the border without granting asylum to those seeking asylum, without granting citizenship to those who have been here, like the dreamers. There is no fix without doing that. And if you don't want to do that, then this problem is going to be exacerbated. It's going to last forever. And Republicans would rather have this issue so that they could run on it and they could yell and scream and whine and moan rather than fix the problem. Honestly, honestly. 1,000%, Brett. 1,000%. Let me just say one thing before I turn yeah. it over to you. Sorry. I just want to say, solving the border issue would be the Republicans' worst nightmare. If the border issue was actually solved, they would be so upset. They would be miserable because they would have nothing to whine about. It's sort of like it, it's sort of like Roe v. Wade and repealing Roe v. Wade. Like once that happened, they didn't know what to do. They hid from it. They hid completely from it because they finally got what they wanted and all of a sudden, silence nothing if they didn't have this issue they would have next to nothing jordy let me build on that because that point exactly at the end is is where my mind goes with this whole border situation is that these republicans just like any other you know problem that they see in this country they don't actually want to solve it they just want to make noise about it and they want to scream about it without actually finding tangible ways to help the situation without actually coming together with president biden who flew down there to figure out hey okay i'm here what what, what can we do like wh what are the biggest areas of concerns they'd rather not actually fix the problem because then they can't fundraise off of it then they can't go to their constituents and get them all rallied up to go and get their votes because they're going to be the ones who solve it you know it's like it's like a dog chasing their tail these MAGA republicans right they wouldn't know what to do if they actually caught it 100 and jordy they are this is why republicans are 
good at campaigning and making noise and making headlines, but they're not so good at governing. I mean, mm -hmm. this issue kind of sums it up best because when you actually read about what Biden wants to do at the border, when you actually read President Biden's enforcement measures, you're like, I don't know how you could look at him and not be like, that sounds reasonable. Like, it sounds like a reasonable compromise. Like if this were and passed, a little bit like a little aggressive, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if almost a little too aggressive where you're like, maybe not as much as that, but like he like his whole plan is like, we need to increase security at the border. We need to reduce the amount of people coming unlawfully over the border, but we have to expand legal pathways for orderly migration. And we need to bring additional resources and money to the border. And meanwhile, Republicans, they, they have nothing. They have no plan because the second they put pen to paper on that, they know that their constituents are going to scream at them unless their plan is as racist and xenophobic mm -hmm. and gross as possible. Unless it is like a full shutdown on all immigration and targeting certain ethnicities and religions, their base, which is a radical base, is going to be unhappy. But Biden is like, yes, we, of course we need to increase legal pathways to enter the U.S. legally. Of course we need to do that. We could also impose additional consequences for those who come here illegally. Well, let's do that. We need more resources at the border. We need more humanitarian assistance at the border. People need to be treated properly and not thrown on these buses and dropped off in the freezing cold halfway across the country being kidnapped and not knowing who they are. We need to get this fentanyl off the street. We need to get these smugglers off the street. Like it's all pretty common sense stuff that is probably more even aligns with a Republican platform from 20, 30 years ago, but the Republicans today go, oh, radical, liberal, open border, this open border, that it's not even controversial, these things, in my opinion, but the Republicans don't want to solve the issues. They just want to complain about them. I'll say this, though. I think Democrats, though, shouldn't be afraid to use the language that they know psychologically works. I, I think a Democrat should say, look, we want strong borders. Mm -hmm. You don't hear a lot of Democrats saying that. Like, why not just say it? Yeah. I mean, because that actually is the policy. You could also say we want strong borders and we also want to treat people humanely. But but you should go out there and say we, you know, we 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 have borders. We need to enforce our borders. We believe in doing it humanely and we want to make sure our economy is great and we're going to do everything we can. You know, it's just a simple thing like that though too that I think Democrats could also learn from because Jordy to your point what Republicans want is a winning talking point. They don't actually want a winning policy. You know, it's easy. You know, and that's why Trump gets exalted there, because he's the biggest liar in front of them all. He can, with a straight face, promise you everything and deliver you nothing and deliver you not just nothing, but deliver you crap. And of course, infrastructure is just total lies. They couldn't even pass infrastructure because they're too lazy to even write a bill. <laughs> they can't even write the bill. Everyone would have supported infrastructure. It would have been, you know, it wasn't a controversial bill. He would have got it passed. But he'd rather just say it. He'd rather have the winning talking point. Yeah. We're going to do it than actually do it. But I think Americans are wising up to it. Like, I do feel, especially with those 15 roll call votes by McCarthy, when it was exposed and with Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrats, new leader in the House of Representatives, and kind of that energy that's being brought, you know, by all people, even like the Katie Porters and the AOCs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're seeing a new kind of energy of like, we're going to call out these people as fascists. You know, what's so cool is, and I'm not saying that they're using the language because this is the language we use here on the Midas Touch Network, although there's so many parallels to the way we were talking about these issues two years ago 
when no one would talk about it that way. And now to see that, you know, to hear and see people calling fascists, fascists, calling extremists, you see all members of Congress doing that too. And you saw it in that very famous Biden speech. These are MAGA Republicans. They're not conservative. They're not normal Republicans, you know, and letting normal Republicans who have left the party and independents, people who are not affiliated with political parties know, hey, you know, insurrection, bad, George Santos, weird and very bad election denialism, very bad, like you just point Ben, I'm going to I'm going to read one of your private texts that you sent me and Jordy uh, oh, oh. over the weekend. Um, don't worry. It's OK. I wouldn't I, would, I wouldn't sell you out like that. Ben. Uh, no, but I, because I, I, I want to hear you. I want to just let people know, like, this is what we talk about, too, when we're not on the air. <laughs> So ben, ben texted me the other day, and this I think is as you know, we're watching the Brazil insurrection unfold, and we're watching some people in the Republican Party either be silent, some of these MAGA influencers even going as far as to defend it, and seeing all the connections between MAGA and Brazil, which we'll get into shortly. But Ben texted us, and he said it's just really weird to have a fascist party here, and that people support it, and our media just calls it conservative. He's like, the whole concept <laughs> is just mind-boggling to me, and I'm like, it's absolutely spot on. It's why the labels are so dumb when you have a party yeah. that is making it as mission to try to stop investigations into themselves who actually led an insurrection two years ago into our capital to try to overturn a free and fair election who is putting people like marjorie taylor green and other election deniers we're putting them at the top of the party putting them on committee positions and you go oh yeah that's the conservative party the party by the way that like we said by what metric are we talking conservative? Because they just they're trying to run up the deficit by 114 plus billion dollars. So they're I don't fiscally even know what... conservative. They don't want to conserve institutions. They want to terminate the constitution. That was, I, what, what are we conserving? They're conser election deniers. What's what's conservative about it? it? It's it's such a good point, and that's why the media needs to catch up to the framing of this as well. And I hope that Democratic leaders continue under the leadership of Hakeem Jeffries to call out what we're seeing for what it is and say, hey. This is a fascist party. That's not what America is about. We need to stand against that. Whether you're Democrat, Republican, or independent or unaffiliated, you got to stand against fascism and autocracy. And I really want our listeners to, to uh, homework assignment for our listeners. When you're reading an article, I want you to get very frustrated on the amount of times you do see these MAGA Republicans be called conservative or the conservative party, because it should really infuriate you when you realize who they're talking about. The Matt Gaetzes, the Andy Biggs, the Donald Trump. All of a sudden, all these people are quote unquote conservative. We say this all the time, sort of half joking around. But we are way more concert, like genuinely conservative than these lunatics who want to just piss all over the Constitution. So it's really, really, really strange. And, and speaking about these lunatics, you know, you had like January 6th redo in Brazil. And when those images started coming in, I, I, it was almost too shocking yeah. to believe over the weekend. I was like, wait a minute, the scene looks identical. Just replace, you know, the colors of Brazil with the United States colors. And like, it's like the same exact crew with the same exact kind of variables as well. These people who call themselves, you know, the Bolsonaro minions or the Bolsa minions um, storming their top court, their Supreme Court, their presidential palace, their Senate, 
destroying things, attacking police officers, the police officers who were doing a good job and trying to stop it would get attacked. Then you had the other police officers who were kind of the complicit police officers, just like we had some complicit here who were just kind of like opening up the gates and like letting it happen. And you're like, what's going on? The one thing with Brazil, and we forget that, I mean, don't forget it, but we don't really make the link. Trump and the FBI were still running the show on January 6th. But in Brazil, they at first it was reported 400. Now I think it's like 1,200 to 1,500 of these people were arrested on the spot. They were arrested right away. And with Trump and Trump's FBI and Trump's DOJ and all of the, you know, with Trump's apparatus running everything, they didn't arrest anybody. How crazy is that? I got, I, I, it almost, such, I almost it's forgot It's such that. a good point, and it's really not being talked about, that the Trump-era DOJ that was in power, who was like an acting head of the DOJ at the time, let everybody go loose, basically. And so then when Merrick Garland was finally confirmed once he later, had to find him. he had to like peel them back and find these people, which is why we have all that footage and all those pictures that we see posted by the FBI on Twitter. Have you seen this person? Because they actually had to go all across the country and locate these people, making it even worse. But you know, I, I don't mean to make light of what happened in Brazil anyway, but it it was like watching the bizarro version of January 6th. Like if you've seen mm, the Seinfeld bizarro, you know, it, it was all the images were just eerily, just uncanny to what we had witnessed. And I, I hope at minimum, it gave some Americans some perspective on what it looks like from the outside. Because I think that too often we think of America as different than other places. We're somehow special. Like that's the view of people when they're thinking. And then when they look at the chaos, we're an exceptional nation. And then when you look at things happening in other countries, you go, could you imagine if that happened here? But when this scenario, we were like, that actually did happen here. And it happened here while our lawmakers were actually in session and their lives were being threatened. And they were being chased through hallways and had to hide. And so the scenarios were so similar, but I think it also gives us some renewed perspective on it all. And as we're looking at those images, I think it's easy to say, you know, these things look incredibly similar. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. But I was like, is it? Is it a coincidence, though? (laughs) Or was it orchestrated by the same people? And perhaps the same directors did the sequel. The same directors did the sequel. They brought back the squad for round two. And this is one of the issues with having people like Steve Bannon out there and Stephen Miller out there and Jason Mm -hmm. Miller out there and Donald Trump out there. I mean, you had Bolsonaro. Guy's in Florida right now. Not only is he in Florida, he spent New Year's Eve with Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And he's been living apparently in the Orlando area. The first the official reports that were coming out said that this was plotted from Florida. I'll have to see follow-up reporting on that. I'm curious to learn more. But that would not be surprising in any way if it were plotted from there. And then today, mysteriously, all of a sudden, Bolsonaro ends up in the hospital for abdominal pain, severe abdominal pain from an injury he sustained a few years ago, if you want to believe that. The timing seems awfully suspicious to me. I don't know about you guys, but you have at least one Brazilian federal deputy officially submitting a request to the foreign ministry to initiate the extradition of Bolsonaro from the United States. 
Also, we're timing that all of a sudden Bolsonaro is hospitalized after that fact. I think we should probably throw in Santos with that extradition too. If we get up to there, let's just send everybody that way. Maybe they could deal with Trump also. Maybe they could deal with Trump in their Justice Department and take him down. But the images were just so horrifying and it's just so horrifying to see. And you look back at all the times that Trump and the MAGA people have courted Bolsonaro have courted the extreme right mm. around the world and including obviously the Bolsonaro's there at CPAC. CPAC, we're talking about CPAC a lot. He spoke about Matt Schlapp a little before and he's sure having quite the week. Matt Schlapp, head of CPAC, they held CPAC in 2020 at Brazil with Bolsonaro. Remember like we, we were raising the alarm when they were doing this in Hungary with Orban because they find like-minded people, they find their friends in this axis of fascism across the world, which MAGA is a part of. They're part of this global fascist movement. And so whether it's Orban, whether it's Bolsonaro or Trump or Bannon, all cut from the same cloth, all in talks with each other, all in cahoots with each other, all trying to push their ideology and their autocratic ways on their respective countries. None of this is accidental when you see this. And you could go through all the events here. I'll pull up right now. I'll pull up the announcement for the CPAC event in Brazil, where uh, Matt Schlapp writes, at CPAC, uh, Bolsonaro will share how our conservative movement inspires freedom-loving people across the globe and how the U.S. and Brazil could work together to stop socialism. And they had Eduardo Bolsonaro, the son of Jair Bolsonaro, speak at this event. And then, of course, there are plenty of photos with the like Trumpers, Don? with the MAGA type. Yeah, Jordy, I, like you said, there, let me see if I can find the Don Jr. one. I hear you have Don Jr. Uh, with... Eduardo Bolsonaro. You have Jared Kushner with Eduardo Bolsonaro. You have Jason Miller with Jair Bolsonaro. And this picture, if you remember, there was that whole story a few months, was it months or years? I can't even keep track. Of 2020, September 2021. September 2021. Remember when he actually got stopped by police on the way trying to leave Brazil at the airport. And what he was stopped for was for participating in anti-democratic activities. And he was spending all of his time with Bolsonaro there, you know, probably plotting kind of what just happened here. All of these people, once again, are in on it. You see more photos from CPAC with the Bolsonaro people. You see this with Steve Bannon here from 2018, Eduardo Bolsonaro saying, it was a pleasure to meet Steve Bannon, strategist in Donald Trump's presidential campaign. We had a great conversation and we share the same worldview. He said, be an enthusiast of Bolsonaro's campaign, and we are certainly in touch to join forces, especially against cultural Marxism. I mean, I guess the one benefit of this all happening in the current era is that these people are stupid enough where they leave all their proof of all their coordination on social media. They just tweet it out. They just tweet, oh yeah, we're work. We got this whole fascist crew. We got so fascist. We got Twitter. Shouldn't groups. surprise you. It's we like the insurrectionists groups. who tweeted out that they were at the insurrection and put it on Facebook about how here's, proud they were. But here's the thing. But here's the thing, guys. The social media also, while seemingly bringing us into the future, mm -hmm. actually had the effect of rewinding into the past. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually created the same circumstances that existed in the 1930s and the 1940s that led to Mussolini and Hitler before the world modernized even more and before like, you know, cable and before all of that. 
with the, with the social media and with the access actually has become an instability with it being co-opted for disinformation. And so Bannon is a student of historical fascism. And so it's the same playbook, actually the same copy and pasted. Okay. The language of America first is taken from a Nazi movement in America, like America for it's, it's, it's a, it's a co-opted line. They've updated and it for the, the social media age. Yeah. You know, and stop the steal is copy and pasted of the March on Rome. And the tactics are almost to a T identical and they are intended because human psychology with this type of rhetoric historically has been able to manipulate and brainwash 20% to 30% of populations to engage in this conduct dating back centuries and certainly in our more recent fascist history in the 30s and 40s and the alliances that Bannon's trying to form, Hungary, Brazil, Italy, is akin to the fascist alliances in World War II. So it is very strategic, it is very tactical, and social media is both exposing it mm -hmm. and causing it at the exact same time, which is why it's so important to combat disinformation. That's all I got to say about that one, Brett. I know we got a lot of other topics. Do you have any other words you want to talk about with Brazil or should we go on? Because I want to talk about Fawny Willis. Hmm. I want to talk about the classified record situation with Biden and the media's false equipment. Like we got a lot to discuss. No, let, let's move on. But I just want to, I'll just add one more thing. And I'll just say that that's why, you know, when we speak about a pro-democracy movement, you know, this, we, we may focus on American politics here, but this pro-democracy movement extends far beyond our country. It extends far beyond the United States. And that's why I love that we have all these international viewers and listeners out there, because what happens here, what happens in Brazil, it affects all of us. And mm -hmm. so we, the same way that you have these evil dark forces, what I called before the axis of fascism, forming with all these crazy people around the country, we need an alliance of democracy. And that's, I think, what we're helping to build here. And that's why I'm excited and happy, honored to have this platform and to have all these international viewers and listeners and stuff who could help spread the pro-democracy message and combat this craziness that we are seeing. How about this? We're 100% independent. Also, we take no money from outside investors at all. So we're 100% accountable to you. And no matter where you are in the world, I always get asked, hey, I'm living in this country. I'm here or I'm abroad. What can I do to help? No pressure, but check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch and you could support this independent media platform and community and get a bunch of exclusive content we only have at Patreon, but it goes a long way. So if you ask me, hey, what can we really do to support this? Again, no pressure because it's a membership and there are different membership tiers there, including some that you could become honorary producers of the podcast and get postcards. So it is a paid membership there. Don't worry, we're not changing anything we do on YouTube. But if you're so inclined, that helps a long way with our staff and the research and everything we do. It's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Also, our next partner is Athletic Greens and I take AG1 uh, buy athletic greens literally every day. And I gave AG1 a try because I hated taking so many different pills and vitamins and yes, gummies to try to give me the energy and vitamins that I needed, but it was not helping at all. Look, I take AG1 in the morning. It's super simple. I take this green powder. I put it in the cup. 
I put water in it, put a little lid on it, shake it up um, before I have my morning coffee or my tea. And it makes me feel absolutely unstoppable. Like I'm doing something really good for my body. And I know that I am, and it is cheaper than your cold brew habit. And I've tried all these different supplements out there, but this is different. The ingredients are super high quality. I really like the way it tastes. If you know, I've been talking about AG1 for a lot of uh, doing this podcast. It's really helped me. It's a seamless and easy daily habit with that one scoop. And if you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens, we've negotiated with them. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash Midas. That's athleticgreens.com slash Midas, spelled M-E-I-D-A-S, athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Check it out. You're really going to, one, I think I like the way it tastes. Two, I think you're going to like the energy it gives you. Three, it's going to replace all those other vitamins and pills and all of that stuff. And I think you'll become team AG1. I love when people uh, post all about their experience with Athletic Greens. And it's so easy for me to get behind a product that I use every day and that I love and that is healthy for you and that's changing the lives of millions of people across the world. Athleticgreens.com slash Midas. All right. Let's talk about Fawny Willis, uh, Fulton County, Fulton, Fulton County uh, District Attorney has completed her investigation. We know this because we have Judge McBurney's uh, order saying that it's done. This report that was prepared by the special grand jury that's investigating criminal election interference. There it is right there. So everybody who's watching on YouTube can see it. For those listening on audio, it's Judge McBurney's order, basically saying that by late January, he wants the district attorney to respond about whether or not the special uh, grand jury's report should be made public. But whether it's public or not, Phony Willis, if she wanted to, can indict tomorrow. Now, this report is only a report. That's what this special grand jury did. They don't have the power they to indict. indict. So, so she needs to go in front of another grand jury, but she knows the findings. The judge knows the findings. So this special grand jury recommended or didn't recommend, but probably recommended people to indict. And one of the things they were focused on were these fake electors. We're talking about top Georgia MAGA Republicans who wanted to submit their names as fake electors, even though Biden won. And they have this whole theory, oh, we were just doing it in case Trump won the appeals or won the cases, but you still kept your name in while the insurrection was taking place. So you knew at that time Trump lost in front of the Supreme Court. You know he lost his cases in Georgia, yet you kept your names as fake electors. So that's one of the areas being probed. Giuliani was called there. Lindsey Graham was called there. Um, Donald Trump's being investigated. So is she going to indict and when? It could happen any day, any week. But the process now will be for her to go in front of another grand jury to actually indict um, so my own view of it is, this is my prediction, that she probably waits until the report is made public. Mm -hmm. And I think you're probably looking at March or April still before you'll see phony Willis indictments. But 
you know, she, she's been moving aggressively, so I wouldn't be shocked if I'm wrong there, but that's just my prediction. Ben, what's, what's the timeline on it being made public? They're doing a hearing or something coming up? A hearing on January 24th or 25th before Judge McBurney. McBurney's asked for briefing uh, about the report. And so after the hearing on the 24th, um, or right or shortly thereafter, McBurney will make a ruling. It's a bit of a technical mm -hmm. issue because a grand jury can request that a presentment is made public. So the very nuance here is what this special grand jury, should they be treated like a grand jury? This special grand jury said they want it made public. But then the question is, and it says, the law says, the judge then shall make the presentment public. But the very legal nuanced question is, is the special grand jury report a presentment, which is a technical legal term that refers to a presentation of evidence and then a recommendation of charges by a grand jury? So is that parallel track apply to a special grand jury. So that's what McBurney's asked for briefing on. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and, and McBurney said he's inclined to treat the special grand jury like a grand jury. So he's given his views. I think it'll be made public. Um, but for the due process, especially of those, this is how you know that they've asked for indictments. Because for the due process of the people who, who inter, potential interveners, as they're called, who are being accused of crimes, the judge wants to allow that due process to uh, play out. So that's how I know it's probably a scathing report if you're just reading that yeah, one no, page. I, I hope we get to see it. And, uh, you know, I hope it spells bad news for Trump and MAGA world, which it, it seems like it is. I think this is one of the top cases to watch as far as if an indictment is going to drop and one of the more likely places for an indictment to drop. I mean, the guy was on tape and all the fake elector slates are in writing. So it's like you have a lot of what you need right there, but you just see kind of the, you, you see MAGA world with their backs against the walls now in all sorts of places. I mean, I don't even know if you guys have seen this just yet because the news broke while we were recording our pod, but Ooh. news just came out that Rudy Giuliani was subpoenaed by special counsel Jack Smith. The subpoena was sent out more than a month ago, had not been previously reported, but they are requesting documents from Giuliani about payments that he received around the 2020 election when Giuliani was filing all of those lawsuits on Trump's behalf contesting the election results. Obviously, we've seen you know Rudy Giuliani in all those depositions with the January 6th committee looking drunk and inebriated, looking like the clown that he is, um, refusing to really be straight with the committee, kind of saying all the wrong things. Um, even in the report, they talk about like how, how drunk Giuliani always was and, all, and all, all these lawsuits against him. It always mentions just how how wow. just like deranged the guy truly is. And now we're finding out that special counsel Jack Smith is right on Rudy Giuliani's tail. So I think, you know, I think Ben will have to do a longer extended breakdown on Rudy, the Rudy subpoena, because I would definitely want to hear more about this. I want to see if we have any documents to read there. But but I think that's a big development as well. I'm very confident Jack Smith's going to indict Trump. He's, <laughs> he's, I did a video on this over the weekend. Like he's assembling his team of the top trial lawyers, people are leaving their private practice jobs where they're getting paid millions of dollars to join Jack Smith's team. These are people who Jack Smith worked with when Jack led the public integrity section. These are people who work on 
big bribery and corruption and mafia style cases. These people don't join a team that's just doing a perfunctory dot the I's, cross the T's investigation. He's bringing in like the A team that's good. And then it's also like the perfect kind of like ingredients of the prosecutors that he's bringing in. Like they're people with both a background of prosecuting the mafia, but also corrupt politicians. And mm-hmm. so it's this perfect combination because that's the Trump. If there's a Venn diagram there, Donald Trump right in the center of that Venn diagram, <laughs> corrupt politicians, <laughs> mafia, Donald Trump, boom. And so they're so, getting the perfect it, prosecutors on the case. It's really such an ex- excellent point, Brad. And then going back to Rudy real quick, I feel like we've been quiet. We haven't said his name much in this podcast in the last few weeks, but man, Folks may not know, but uh, you know we're Long Islanders. We grew up in New York. Rudy was like growing up. People adored Rudy Giuliani. Has there ever been a bigger fall from grace than what happened with Rudy Giuliani? I don't. I think, think there, there is- was. You know, he he was beloved after nine eleven, and but there were there were some warning signs there. He didn't go the, from he didn't the, go from there. Absolutely and right. Dropped. He he uh, kind of yep. stumbled and then went down a deep hole. Um, because there was all the, the, his debate when he wanted to be president, imagine this guy is freaking president guys. The guy want the guy ran for president and his, and Biden had that incredible line, which I think just ruined Rudy. I think it was, that was Biden, right? Who, who said to him, was it him who said everything that he says is a verb, a noun, a nine 11. Was that a, a Joe <laughs> Biden line? And in what scenario would they have been on the stage together? But I, yeah, I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure of the scenario, <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll look up, we'll look up who that is, but there's, there's no doubt that Jordy, to your point about Giuliani, MAGA world is in complete and utter kind of disarray in chaos. And, and there's just a level of discipline professionalism that exists among the pro-democracy like democrats like our shit is together yeah you know like 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 it's organized it's normal it's united but it's united against this like this like weirdo like we have to Mm -hmm. We, we, we we can't like you know there's no time when you have a party that's actually trying to kill you to play games and Democrats in this moment have. I think they realize that, which is really, why you see whether it's like the, the quote unquote progressives or the more quote unquote conservative Democrats or whatever. All of them were just, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, no arguments. We're, this this is our guy, no division. We're not messing around. We're not at a time where we can mess around. We could have debates at another time, but right now we're dealing with a fascist insurrectionist party who's trying to take over the country and we need to be united as a pro democracy coalition. I thought that was powerful. Hakeem Jeffries. Speech was one of the most incredible speeches, if not the most incredible speech I think I've ever heard. And the fact that he did his speech before Kevin McCarthy had like a fifth grade, no offense to fifth grader speechwriter, write McCarthy's speech, and he went after Hakeem Jeffries, you know, and, and just looked utterly like uh, horrible. The contrast couldn't be clearer. And talking about uniting against like what the heck is going on. 
We talked about it earlier a little bit with this Matt Schlapp guy, the head of CPAC. So they went from their event, their fascist event in Brazil and Hungary. And this weekend they hosted their event at Mar-a-Lago where Donald Trump praised Ashley Babbitt, who was part of a group of violent insurrectionists who kept on screaming, you know, or the group of insurrectionists around her were screaming, F the blue. Um, there was an internal investigation by the Capitol police officers who said that, if Ashley Babbitt wasn't shot, not only was it within department policy, but the Capitol police officer who was forced to shoot her because she was breaking through the area where the members of the Senate and the House of Representatives were, they said that that saved lives. And Ashley Babbitt is being hoisted up by MAGA extremists, someone who trespassed, didn't comply, tried to go through this window and, and, and lead the insurrectionists. She was the first one to try to go through that, where the House of Representatives were. And they call her a, a true patriot. And then they call the Capitol Police officer all these horrible names. It's I mean, the it's ultimate gaslighting. She gets, she gets through that window. Yeah, she gets through that window. She unlocks those doors. There are there are mass murders on a, on a global stage of American politicians. That's exactly what would have happened. The sad thing is, is we're witnessing gaslighting just on a massive scale. And there's perhaps no other incident that represents that more than the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. Because if these people were being honest with themselves and had any sense, they would put the blame where it should be. First off, obviously the blame should be on Ashley Babbitt, but it should also be on Donald Trump and anybody who pushed these election lies that led her to believe in these lies and go there and get killed. They are to blame. The fact is, and this is indisputable, if Donald Trump did not call his supporters to the rotunda that day, give that speech and tell people we're going to go to the Capitol and you have to fight. If he did not mm -hmm. do that, she would be alive today. It's it, it's a fact. And you know what? The gaslighting, though, it, it's made them blame the wrong people for what happened there. And she paid the price for her actions. It's sad. But, you know, she at the end of the at that time was acting as a domestic terrorist and was trying to kill our lawmakers. And so you have to take drastic actions in those scenarios. I, I did find the clip, if we could go back, of Biden. This is from 2007. Biden cracking the joke about Rudy Giuliani. Is that the debate with, uh, I think it was Hillary Clinton and John Edwards. We could play this to show how spot on Biden has been for years now on Rudy. Let's play this clip. And the irony is Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, probably the most underqualified man since George Bush to seek the presidency, <laughs> is here talking about any of the people here. Rudy Giuliani. I mean, think about it. Rudy Giuliani, there's, th there's only three things he mentioned in a sentence, a noun and a verb and 9-11. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. And I mean it sincerely. He is genuinely not qualified to be president. So good. <laughs> that, was, that was a good memory because Giuliani wasn't on the stage, but he took a good shot at Giuliani yeah. <laughs> at that debate, you know, and, and you forget those moments with Biden. Um, you know, he, just his just his Biden's stick to itiveness and his continuing to persevere and his always dedication to fighting for the American people. You just throw back that that up. I mean, what a, what a throwback. That, that was dark, dark Brandon 07 edition, y'all. Yes. Great callback, B. Great callback.
Great callback. <laughs> you know, and then Schlapp is the one who's like introducing Donald Trump. Schlapp's just accused of sexually assaulting mm. a Herschel Walker staffer, um, a male staffer. And Schlapp is like fiercely anti LGBTQ plus. And there's like not only did the staffer for Herschel Walker, the male staffer record right after what transpired, reported it up the chain. But then he also there's also text messages that Schlapp sent him the next day, like, please give me a call if you could find it in your like frantic text messages, which would seem to be very corroborating that something went down that's consistent with what the allegations are. But right after that, Schlapp speaking at Mar-a-Lago, you know, and then everyone and then all the MAGA Republicans are like, the left is making the accusation. It's a Herschel Walker staffer. The left, you're calling a Herschel Walker staffer. That's their new thing. You know, just goes to show you who the MAGA Republican are. Bill Barr is the left to them. Is, is like a left, <laughs> right? Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI Republican, is the left. Herschel Walker staffer, the left. The, 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 all they know how to say to like Biden's point, the left, Marxist, the border. Those are the three things that a MAGA Republican says: <laughs> the left, Marxist, and the border. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you have no solutions. And like I said, to them, everything's a zero-sum game. To them, everything is we need to destroy, we need to tear down, we need to annihilate these people at all costs. It doesn't matter what the truth is. We are going to protect ourselves and our own power. And that's just what they do constantly. I mean, I don't understand. I, the thing I don't get is how even if you are the biggest Republican in the world and you love CPAC, how do you not read that statement? How are you not offended by that statement? How do you read the statement when they go, this is another hoax perpetrated by the left? How do you not go, it's a great that's, kind of that's kind of offensive to my own intelligence. You know, you know yeah. you're kind of insulting my intelligence by calling a Herschel Walker staffer the left. I guess maybe they don't have the intelligence. Like the logical fallacy. Right? I think you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it frustrates me that we are all brothers here. That there exists intelligence that... That supersedes the brainwashing. That's that's the fallacy that's <laughs> built in. But it is hard to undo the years and years of brainwashing from yeah. Fox and the both sides media reporting. And look, we see that right now where the media wants to draw this false equivalence because, again, it's just being reported right now. But apparently Biden's White House lawyers identified 10 classified documents that were found in a place where there would be classified documents from time to time. The Biden Center for Diplomacy at the University of Pennsylvania, where Biden has an office, where they teach about what took place when Biden was the vice president. So it would not be unusual that that exists there, but Biden's team immediately mm -hmm. brought it to the attention of the archives the archives brought it to the attention of the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice said they want to look into it. And you don't see any objection from me. Okay, look into it. <laughs> the, the, the steps that are being taken, it's not, we need to abolish the Espionage Act, the fake media, the FBI, and eliminate them. No, okay. A process was followed that immediately brought it the exact opposite of what Donald Trump did, the exact opposite process that exists. It's playing out. I believe in law and order. And ultimately, there's a level of transparency about what's taking place. And it'll and it'll run its course. We're not talking also about tens of thousands of records intentionally and maliciously stolen. In someone's home. Perhaps, 
Yeah, nuclear secrets, information about China's weapon system, information about Iran Iranian weapon system. Like, that's it, not what this is. But nonetheless, I'm not calling for let's abolish the FBI, exactly. the DOJ's weaponized. No, no, no. I think Biden's, the, the White House lawyers identified it. They immediately brought it to the attention. It will now go through the process and, and, and let the process play out. I'm fine with it. No, if, if there's something that happened that was wrong, then investigate it for sure. It doesn't seem to be at all what, what took place here, but I believe in law and order. That's funny. It almost seems like the perfect foil to the Trump situation, though, right? It's mm. like the complete opposite. It's like, what are you supposed to do if this situation happens? Like, this is the by Textbook. the book. Textbook. This is how you handle it. It's like, you know, when, <laughs> when if you're on like the, you know, Trump 2016 campaign or something and you start sensing that there's some impropriety happening and some discussions with people to influence the like, you know, and you don't you could either not speak out. Or you could speak out and do something. Uh, you, you have an obligation to speak out and do something. In this case, you know, you have a case of these documents. You have Biden finding out right away, the lawyers finding out right away as they're packing the stuff up that were locked away inside an office. They find the documents literally like within minutes are calling the national records by morning. The national records picks them up and acknowledges, oh, yeah, that was a mistake. And that's like the whole scenario. And so now, of course, though, what these networks always want to do is they want that spicy headline. There's nothing the media loves more to than like a false equivalency. Like this is like Hillary emails and now they get to do it, you know, all over again and they get to draw this whole false equivalency and they get to have their headline Biden top secret documents, just like Trump. Look at how similar. And they try to muddy the waters and mm -hmm. it's really, really, really dangerous when they muddy the waters and do that because you know, by the way, that Donald Trump is going to use this and there and his, attorneys are going to try to use this. I'm curious to hear Ben's perspective on that, that they will try to use this as well for their cases going forward. They will try to draw this false equivalency to try to make it seem like, oh, look, everyone does. It. Look, the, 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 there was the socks, there was the the, the Biden <laughs> office, and now there is the Trump. It's all the, you know, let's all brush it aside. All good. No big deal. But that could not be farther from the truth. So when you lead with that headline of Biden classified documents, and then in paragraph six, you go, Oh yeah, the second that the lawyers found them in this locked cabinet in his office, they returned yep. him right away and and the archive said, oh, it's just a big mistake and they were thankful for the cooperation. When you bury that and that's not the lead of what you're saying, then it's a problem because then you're just spreading disinformation and you're actually harming the discourse in this country. Even though you're trying, you're acting like, oh, look, we're just presenting both sides of the argument. We're just showing everything. Like, like, Trump did this and Biden did this. So, you know, it's 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 all the same. There were no lies here. There was no endless obstruction. There was no, oh, we need these documents. Oh, you can't have these documents. They're mine. None of that even happened. They were found in an office setting where he had done his work. They were there and locked away when they were moving offices. They had found them and they went, oh, damn, we have these documents. Let's call up the records and let them know. They returned them right away. It's really a total apples and oranges situation. The fact that you have the CNNs of the world, the CBS of the world reporting it as some sort of yep. uh, same thing is honestly, it's incredibly offensive. It's like it's offensive and it's toxic and it's, it's helping Trump out with his own argument. It's going to help Trump spread the disinformation. And that's why it's so dangerous. I, I said George Conway made a, what I thought was a brilliant point, too. He said basically the 
Trump people will use this to their advantage, but in all likelihood, unless there is a whole lot more to this, a magnitude more to this, they will only succeed in highlighting just how egregious the misconduct at Mar-a-Lago was and how Trump would not be in trouble if he had not obstructed and lied. That's what I'm saying. It's the perfect contrast, actually, yep. to how one should actually handle a situation like this. It, it, it's exactly the cover-up of what Trump engaged in sometimes is always even more worse than the underlying act. I think both are equally egregious when it comes to Trump, though, because he's covering <laughs> up really bad criminal conduct. But yes. every step of the way, when the National Archives reached out to Trump, dating back to right around March and April of 2021, hey, it looks like you took some documents. C can you return them? And then Trump's telling his lawyers internally, just, just lie to him. Just, just say that's just tell them we, 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 you have everything. And then them saying, no, 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 we've looked like we have the logs, like you stole records. And then Trump saying, fine, fine, fine. All right. I'll give you just a little bit, but I, here's everything. And then in January of 2022, he like returns the boxes and hides the classified information, like in like newspaper clippings as well. So like they wouldn't see it. They're like, okay, what is this? Like, have you returned everything to us? By the way, I think if Trump would have returned everything, in that January 2022, he he would have been he would have been probably fine. Like you know, I I think it still would have been questionable because at this point you're seven eight months into obstructing, but but probably still would have been fine. But then they drag it on until June, where you have the top DOJ counterintelligence officials like, all right, we know you have more. Can you please just give us back? all of the classified records. And can you certify under penalty of perjury? And that's when you have Christina Bob on June 3rd, give this red weld, which are those legal folders. And wrapped in it is all these like 100 classified records, like top secret sensitive compartment records, uh, top secret sensitive compartment records. And she signs a declaration saying, you know, upon information and belief, well, based upon everything that's told to me, here's everything. We've now given you every single thing that we've got. That, that's it. That's everything. So then they get that and then they're like, okay, we know you're lying to us. We have no choice. We've now waited like 18 months. We're going on two years at this point. We have no choice but to get a search warrant because you're, you're, you're lying and there's real net. And we know, which we still don't all know yet what those documents are. They knew there was imminent harm in some of those documents that he stole to our national security. So they have no choice. And then they do it, they get a search warrant, and then they find like 11,000, not 10, not 10, 11,000 more government records and 104 more classified records, including not just a classified status. Because remember, there are some documents by their very nature, and this is what they try to tie to Clinton, like just sometimes when you're in a position, the fact that you have it gives it a classification status, like by your nature of being a secretary of state or sending an email in such a high position, does that make it classified? But what we're talking about with Trump is sensitive, compartmented information that could only be viewed in SCIF, sensitive compartmented information facilities with somebody present looking over your shoulder and documenting it. So to your point, Brett, it's not just apples to oranges. It's like apples to spaceships. It's complete. <laughs> it, 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 it couldn't be more. It couldn't be more dissimilar. But in any event, 
despite the fact that it couldn't be any more dissimilar. I'm not going to be here attacking the FBI for doing an investigation, I'm not right. attacking the Department of Justice for doing an investigation. Do, 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 do law and order. Law and order should mean something. And, and it's fine. Absolutely. It's absolutely fine. Brett, whose microphone's up. No, it's all good. <laughs> I, I think what we're also witnessing now is one of the kind of first big stories of a time when Republicans are in charge and the news networks are kind of under new ownership and how they're going to react to try mm. to curry favor with the Republicans. Um, because we've seen that they have taken this bet over the past year where they've said they thought Republicans were going to control both the House and the Senate. Um, Republicans narrowly won the House, but they made a big bet on Republicans, a lot of the corporate media. And I'm mainly talking about CNN here, if I have to name names. Um, but they, they made a, a big bet that they wanted to cozy up to Republicans because they want them to be guests on their shows. So it is in their business interest to make this a big story so they could then get on all these wackadoos on their show to talk about it and be talking heads. I mean, more Republicans have gone on CNN in this past week than I think I've been on CNN in the past like eight years. Like, <laughs> I wonder if anyone's put it together. But it's just one after the next, after the next, after the next. But yeah, I mean, this is, it's total BS. It's a total false equivalence. The way that the network are running with this. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly the disinformation that they are spreading with this story. Were there mistakes made? Sure. Is it anything similar to what Trump did? Absolutely not. Were the right steps taken? Absolutely. And now we'll see how it plays out. But you know, that's why we need to be quick to call this stuff out. The same way they could throw these stories out there, we could call it out super quickly and get the truth out there. It's the importance of independent media and building these platforms, not just to compete with the large media networks, but to frankly beat the yes. large media networks. And as I see our audience continue to grow and grow, and I look at, frankly, the views that we get from these compared to what the ratings are from the large media networks, more people are tuned in to the Midas Touch podcast, the Legal AF podcast. Uh, the weekend show and some of our other programs than people who watch the large media networks now. So if you're watching, make sure you hit the subscribe button right now. Make sure you share this YouTube channel with friends, families, coworkers, colleagues, neighbors, people you know, people who may disagree with you. Subscribe wherever you get the audio podcast as well by searching the Midas Touch podcast. Search it. Search Midas Touch podcast on the audio. Leave a five-star review. That helps with the algorithm rhythms on the audio. So get this experience both on video on YouTube and then get the experience on audio wherever you get your podcast. Again, just search Midas Touch um, on the Midas Touch podcast, wherever you get your podcast and check us out there. Also, go to store.midastouch.com for the best unapologetically pro-democracy gear. We've got the shirt that Jordy's wearing. It wasn't rigged. You're just a loser. Again, it wasn't rigged. You're just a loser. Store.midastouch.com. We also have the Convict 45 or Convict 45 shirt um, and so much more. Store.midastouch.com. There it is. Person, woman, man, camera, prison as well. Those are very timely. Get those. And there's just some nice Midas gear that just says Midas touch. Oh, there's the Magateers mug. <laughs> I love the, love the Magateers mug. I drink out of the Magateers mug and then make attorneys get attorneys hat and just some good Midas touch gear to support Midas touch. And that helps. I read banned books that helps fund the Midas touch network as well. So that's store 
at MidasTouch.com. And check us out at Patreon.com slash MidasTouch. As I mentioned earlier, we have no outside investors. We don't take outside investor money. That's how we remain 100% accountable to you. We wouldn't do it any other way. We're 100% independent. So by going to Patreon.com slash MidasTouch, and joining one of the memberships there. There's different membership packages. No matter which membership you join, it goes a long way to growing this independent media platform and community. But there's some uh, there's some memberships where you could even become an honorary producer oh. of the Midas Touch podcast, and your name appears at the end of the podcast. You can actually see your name. You get a poster showing that you're an honorary producer. You get postcards and, and so much more. And there's exclusive podcasts. We're doing a new Q&A. Uh, tomorrow morning that we're going to post on the Patreon. We had so many questions. So first thing in the morning, we're recording that Q&A session. But anyway, go to patreon.com slash touch. It really does help. So if you can do it, no pressure. If you can, it goes a long way. Patreon.com slash touch. And finally, I want to thank everybody who watches and listens to this. Thank you to the Midas Mighty community. You are our inspiration. Every day when we wake up, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for the community you built. When anybody asks, what's the secret sauce? What's the secret ingredient to the Midas Touch Network? It's the Midas Mighty. You're the engine to this. None of this is possible without you. You are the messengers and we just strive to work so hard each and every day to make you proud and we hope that we do that each and every day so from the bottom of all three of our hearts and everybody who works at our network thank you thank you and thank you again we couldn't be prouder to be fighting by your side thanks for watching this episode of the Midas Touch podcast until next time Jordy or Brett? Jordy, you want to take it away? Wait, 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 wait. A little, not to step on your phenomenal exit intro there, Ben, but fellas, Midas Mighty. Two years podcast today. This is our anniversary. You brothers are just going to forget about our two-year anniversary of the Midas Touch podcast. How dare you? That's a great call. You know, and now that we have the, you know, we, we got the real hardcore listeners who are still with us an hour, you know, plus through the show. So you, you all right. Remember, we started out, we were we were basically hit up by Sirius XM at the time, uh, halfway through 2020. And they said, do you want to do a radio show? We think you guys have great chemistry together. And we were like, we don't know how the hell to do a radio show. But if you <laughs> want to put us on the air, we'll, we'll go on the air. And so we did that for a little bit. And at a certain point, though, we kind of decided, like, you know, what? we need to bring this in house because we want to make sure that we're reaching the right people. And that was a closed platform at the time that you had to pay for to get access to. And so we did. And that was the greatest experience ever. And like Jordy said, um, I think around January 6th, around this time, was our very first Midas Touch podcast episode. So thank you for an incredible two years. Thank you to everybody who continues to share the show with a friend. And we've added to our lineup. I think, you know, those of you who see our audio feed now, you see that we have some changes in there. And what we're doing now is we're trying to bring as much content to you as possible. So every Tuesday morning and every Friday morning, you get this podcast, the main traditional Midas Touch podcast, usually with the three brothers in its full glory every Tuesday and Friday morning. And the rest of the week, we give you small little snippets of breaking news because there's so much that goes on that we don't want you to miss a moment. And we produce so much content that we want to give you the top stories of every single day of the week. So all those other days, you get our short form series called The Mighty, or Ben will break down legal issues, or you'll hear from one of our Midas Mighty contributors. So that's the way our, our current schedule is working for those wondering, wow, I'm seeing a lot more episodes than normal on the Midas Touch feed. That's how it's structured right now. I love it. I, I, I love good, it. Right? 
now nowadays everybody want to talk but they got something to say but oh no you're gonna, you're gonna get this is why you have yeah. to stay for the, the the final exit because you you get great tidbits like that <laughs> all right jordy sign us sign us up <laughs> thank y'all for listening shout out to the midas mighty At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.